0: What up, TCK Podders? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids. Leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast. And follow us on IG at fantasy football underscore TCK Pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, Dwayne, So we're finishing off our players to avoid. And before we started, I didn't really know like how What's the word? Um, famous? These players were going to be if that's the word um, when we first targeted the series, and we took a lot of high-name players, uh, and we saw some some feedback. So, I mean, one, what are your thoughts on the feedback, and how you doing? I, I've, I said this to kind of
1: first of all, I'm great. I'm fantastic. This is a, a a great week. I'm super. Every time you say Happy Friday, though, like the people should know that we record this on Monday. So you say happy Friday, and for half a second, I think, is it Friday? And then I get very depressed when I realize that I have a whole week ahead of me. But it is what it is. I think I've said this a couple of times on a few of these episodes, um, speaking to the feedback that we've gotten. Look, people fall in love with names. That's how fantasy football owners work. That's why it's easy to win a lot of fantasy football leagues. They fall in love with names. They ignore Um, statistical reasoning they ignore the data they ignore what's right in front of their fucking faces we're gonna have a great example of that on tonight's episode today's episode whatever time you're watching this um, we're gonna get into a name that somebody that we know closely has fallen in love with but when we lay it out there the arguments say avoid so like of course you expect that and and you know when we come on here and do these shows we're not going to pick you know, the wide receiver 67 on a ranking to say avoid because everybody's doing it. We'd be wasting everybody's time if we didn't pick these big names. Um, but they, they fall in love with the names and, and you know, there's no arguing those people off of their ledge.
0: That's just what it is. For sure. All right. So I'm gonna let you go first then. Um, oh. with the big intro, I don't remember who went first last time. We should probably start keeping track, but you got it. You can keep track. I'll just bring the fucking heat here um let's start
1: with a uh, one of the tight ends last season that just absolutely blew up something I'll say that most people don't realize is um my, the guy's Austin Hooper that's what I'm talking about what most people don't realize is that his entire career he's been good he's been a solid tight end for the Falcons he's been even a relatively good streamable tight end last year was obviously you know he scored a bunch of touchdowns um he had a couple of huge games he was making some noise there right before he got injured but it wasn't exactly an out of nowhere breakout for Austin Hooper uh, last season uh, good for him you know great for the kid he went and got his ass paid in Cleveland and at that moment when he got when he got moved to Cleveland is when you should have just cut him out of your life and fantasy football vocabulary altogether I am done with him, I'm off of him, and nobody should be drafting him. Right now, he is being taken um, between the tight end nine and the tight end 12, depending on where you look. The 12 is getting a little closer to where I have him. I think I have him ranked 16 or 17 um, in in my projections. By the way, you can see all of my yard-for-yard, catch-for-catch, play-for-play projections on those draft guides. Go check them out. But um, he's going too high for me, uh, and it's all about where he is. He's a very talented guy. We know that. We have seen it for years. We really saw it last year. But the problem is that he's a Cleveland Brown, period. Okay, so there's an opportunity issue, first and foremost. Um, Last season, the Falcons threw the ball 684 times. That was 51 more pass attempts than anybody else in the league. It was the second most in the last seven years in the league. Only the 2018 Steelers went for for more at 688, so like four more. That's an insane amount of pass attempts, an insane amount of volume. He's going to a team that threw it 539 times last season in the Cleveland Browns. That is a difference of roughly 145 fucking pass attempts. That's almost three NFL games for a team like the Browns. So imagine his stat lines and what they would be if you took three more games away from him and now you're starting to see what potential he has here opportunity wise in Cleveland last year the Falcons went for 29 passing touchdowns as opposed to the Browns 22 so there's a touchdown issue there we talked about Matt Stefanski coming here into town the news is that he's a running coach you know on a two weeks ago we talked, or uh, yeah I guess two weeks ago we talked about Nick Chubb and said hey Stefanski is maybe a little more balanced than we think, but he's certainly not a pass-happy coach. That's not what he does. That's not what he's known for. So that 539 might even be a little bit higher than we can expect this year. Um, if, if we look at the team coming off last year, you know, you, ha- you have a great document, a great tool in uh, that draft guide. It's the vacated production tool. Great place to look when you got new guys coming into a team. Do you know what the receiving production
0: is that was vacated from the Browns last year? Well, apparently, adding weapons only creates more targets for the Browns, according to everyone's projections. So, I mean, it's, it's zero, um, zero. Zero targets, yeah. zero catches, zero yards, zero touchdowns. All the
1: guys that were there last year are still there. And so, so that, yeah, begs the question. If you're not going to have a bunch more targets, which, let's be honest, we're not with the new coach coming in. We're not going to have a ton more. Maybe, maybe 560, maybe. Um, but who's going to give up their target share on this team? Jarvis Landry's Baker's favorite fucking weapon on the field because he catches everything. He's going to continue to throw it to him at more than 20% of the team's target share. Odell Beckham Jr. Is Odell Beckham Jr. And if he doesn't get his 20%, he's going to start kicking the fucking kicking fence again or the, the, the net or whatever the fuck it is. Um, Kareem Hunt last year only played eight games, had 44 targets. So his target count is going to go up next season as a fantastic receiving back that we have discussed on this show. Like where is the work going to go? All five tight ends combined last year on this team had 69 targets. Um, And look, we can say great 69 targets is not that much less than Hooper had last year. But the team refuses to let go of David Njoku because they still believe he can be a threat on this team. Uh, They went out and drafted one of the best tight ends in the nation. Was it Harrison or Hunter? Harrison, right? Harrison, yep. Harrison Bryant, best tight ends in the nation. Not that he's going to make a lot of noise right now, but the team is not dedicating themselves to one tight end. Um, So take that 69 that was spread across five guys last year, spread it across maybe two guys this year, and you just don't have – The volume that Hooper is going to need in order to be successful. Let's look at the quarterback situation because you can't ignore going from a guy like Matt Ryan throwing you the ball to a guy like Baker Mayfield. Over the last two seasons, Baker's career, uh, Matt Ryan's completion percentage 68% to Baker's 61. uh, Three yards a game for Matt Ryan to 251 a game for Baker Mayfield, 61 touchdowns to 49 touchdowns, a 100.1 passer rating versus an 85.9. Matt Ryan is a better quarterback that throws it more, scores more. Uh, and then you look at the, the place that Austin Hooper really did a lot of his work it was actually in the red zone last season. Only two tight ends had more red zone targets than Hooper, even though Hooper missed games. Um, no tight end scored more touchdowns inside, from inside the ten than Austin Hooper did last season. He was really successful there. They used him there a lot. Uh, And again, you're going from a Matt Ryan, who threw 62% completion rate inside the 10-yard line, to Baker Mayfield, who last year had a 38% completion rate from inside the 10-yard line. Like, that is a big fucking change. So he's going to lose opportunity, and the opportunity that he's going to have is going to be worse than it was because his quarterback is worse And he was, there's nothing about this guy that says you should be drafting him inside that top 10. I I was glad to see that the ADP is not like tight end five or something, but Mm -hmm. it's still too high for me, probably by two, three rounds by the time
0: you get there, maybe more. Yeah. And I think the one thing people will say is like, it doesn't take much to be tight end 12. Jason Witten was there last year, but like I started Jason Witten in games last year because he was giving me nine to 10 points. So yes, it doesn't take much to hit that tight end twelve, but why pick him when like you're literally saying he's not going to be that good and finish tight end twelve? He's not going to return what you want, especially at a tight end spot where you're probably just taking a late round flyer anyways. And yeah, they were fifth in red zone fifth in red zone rush rate. Now they go to the Stefanski last year. The Vikings who were number one. We touched on that in the. Receiver, I like to avoid when we talk about Odell. I think you've had a Browns player, and yeah, we've had a Browns player in One of these? parts. Yeah, but well, they're, they're,
1: it's the fucking Cleveland Browns.
0: I, I'll say about Hooper, like in
1: in a perfect world, he's a streamer, right? Like maybe if you've got a deep roster and you're drafting three tight ends, you want him on the team that you can stream him. But he's not somebody in a single tight end league, even a tight end premium league that I think should be rostered on a 12 team league, like. He's somebody that should be picked up and dropped over the course of the season because he'll have huge weeks. Like he's good enough that he'll have two touchdown weeks. There just won't be very many of them this season. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I totally agree. And I have another guy kind of along the lines of big season last year and it's Tyler Higbee. So I'm just going to right away, he's going to tight end seven in the high stakes and on fantasy pro. So it's probably right about where I think his consensus will be. And I think it's going to stay there for the most part. And I'm not neglecting, What he did last year in those last four games, I know that happened. But on the screen right now, you'll see a split. Uh, The in split is with Gerald Everett. The out of split is obviously without Gerald Everett. On the far right is the plus minus, so it'd be in minus out, um, or in plus slash minus out. But obviously, these are all minus, so they're red, and it's bad. Like it's the thing when it when it comes to splits like this, and this is the Miami Dolphins receivers, the same thing. You can make a case for either side that he was virtually worthless whenever it was on the field, but then he was the best tight end in the league when he was off whenever it was off the field. Yes, I see both sides. He could definitely repeat it again. But if you're projecting him anywhere close to nine to eleven targets per game, that would lead the tight ends in targets for the like he'd be number one for the last like seven years. That's not happening. Tyler Higby's not leading The tight end market, the tight ends in the NFL and targets. No, just stop. And the splits on this are just way too drastic. So, obviously, he had 70 more receiving yards without Everett. Yeah. That doesn't happen if you're an overall good player all the time commanding a target share. Five more receptions, that's clearly just Everett's gone. Six and a half, almost seven more targets, the same thing. Cooks was gone, Everett was gone, and they were always losing. It was a good chunk of schedule to where they were just losing – and he kind of hit it at the right time. And then the DraftKings and FanDuel, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's pretty close to this normal fantasy points. 16 difference on DraftKings and 12 difference on 12.19 difference on FanDuel. I'm not for sure which one's the legit one, but still, it was drastic. So when it comes to the situation, the only thing I can think is don't, don't take him. Because, because the way, what you think you might be getting is not feasible for a whole season especially when he's the probably third at best target on this Rams offense, which is still valuable because they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, but who's to say he's a starting tight end. If you go on, if you go and search um, Tyler Higbee on your Google, I'm sure the Roto, Roto world will pop up first. No reports. If you go search Gerald Everett, you'll go to a bunch of different articles about how McVay says he's going to use him a lot more this year. He's excited. He didn't use his skill set to the full potential last year. And it makes sense. Everett, Everett was the guy that'd be the receiving tight end where Higby was going to be the blocker. It just so happened that it worked out at the end of the year last year. So really when it comes down to it, why take a tight end seven that – like I, I, the way I look at it, sorry, is that he finished – he was a tight end one those last four weeks last year. There's a reason he's fell fall down the tight end seven, right? It's because there is Gerald Everett. So he should be going lower because people aren't. People are projecting that number one tight end. Rough, obviously not. But he's projecting a top five tight end. Then why is he not going in the top five tight end for everyone? He's obviously going lower because there's concerns. And I think there was another stat too that I saw. It was a tweet, so I don't know how legit it is. Prior to last season, he played 52 games, or started 52 games, or took a snap in 52 games. He recorded over 50 receiving yards in four of those games prior to last season. Just don't – it's kind of like – basically, it's – if Hooper was on the Rams, I'd be all over Hooper. And, but Higby just doesn't have the talent or he's just not that good of a tight end that you don't want to draft this high. And I think he's going – I mean, I've seen him go as, like, the tight end 5-6. I'm sure he'll rise up, stuff like that. And I, I don't have an answer for the game splits because there is no answer. So that's basically my point It's just – Fade the game split when it's that big in general. I mean, that can go for a lot of different players as well. Um, so just fade, Higby, take Everett, or just take a better tight end earlier or a little bit later. Any, any other tight end almost. So I'm going to head off
1: some of the arguments you're going to get about that game split at the pass here. Some people are going to say, hey, uh, those numbers went up because that's when he got his opportunity. But, you know, he would have, if he would have gotten his opportunity earlier, whatever. Um, but you said it. You said it a minute ago. How many games has he played in the past? Opportunity, opportunity, year over year over year, and it just didn't happen. The stars aligned here. Um, and Gerald Everett absolutely paved the way by carving out a, a position that was of importance to this offense. So when Higby steps in, he's really stepping into the role that Gerald Everett built. Now, Gerald Everett, 26 years old, an absolute athletic fucking freak. People are writing him off. I don't know why people are writing him off. He is he is an insane and legitimate talent. Now, I, I do expect, obviously, the um, the game-over-game game, game stats for Higby to be somewhere between those two splits next year, right? Like, he did earn himself yeah. some more looks um, from his quarterback. He earned his quarterback's trust a little bit. So, they will be somewhere in between there. Um, and I think, in my projections, I had them pretty close in targets between Gerald Everett and Higby. It's not like Everett's going to come back and take them all back over again from Higby, but... Yeah, if you're taking him anywhere near seven, that is absolutely the best that you could possibly hope. Like that's seat you don't ever draft a guy at his ceiling. And if your, your expected ceiling for him is a little delusional, um, you really shouldn't do it. All right, let's get into a name that's going to piss somebody off that we know closely. Um, I, in fact, did a show with Tyler, oh God, five or six weeks ago where he was touting the name Mike Gesicki. Um, as a must draft in all leagues, he is a, a Dolphins fan though, and uh, he falls in love with the fucking names just like everybody else in a league. I'm saying we don't draft Mike Gesicki. Um, just don't do it. I think he's my tight end 24 or something. He's going between 11 and 15, so a little later than some of these guys. But there's a lot of hype still around Mike Gesicki um, on a lot on, on all over Twitter on a lot of draft boards and stuff. People are talking about him like he is primed to break out this season. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you that it's not going to happen. He's not going to break out this season. Here's uh, a few reasons. Like one of the words, the word that I've said, have started every argument about every player that we've done in this whole series was opportunity. And this is another chance for me to tell you that the opportunity for Mike Gesicki um, is going to struggle. One of the things that you hear everywhere when you talk about the Miami Dolphins right now is that, hey, Devontae Parker was only Devontae Parker once Preston Williams got hurt and left. I, I want to tell people this, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams are very different wide receivers. They do very different things. Um, you don't expect the kind of pass that goes to Preston Williams to go to Devontae Parker. On the other hand, Mike Gesicki and Preston Williams run similar distance routes, their average depth of target, their yards per reception all much more similar than Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. I'm arguing that Gesicki benefited more than Parker did from Preston Williams being out last season. I've got a split for you. Mike Gesicki with Preston Williams in Mike Gesicki with Preston Williams out um, that, you know, it's seven games and eight games. So it's nice and clean. Um, You look at the PPR points, it's almost double. He scored almost double when Preston Williams was out of the game. You can look at the rest of that there. If you'd like zero touchdowns in the seven games that Preston Williams was there. Um, But he's not the only receiver that got hurt on this team that benefited Mike Gasicki. It's, you know what? Anytime you say the name Joaquin Grant in an argument, people laugh. But the bottom line is Joaquin Grant has a similar route tree, average depth of target, yards per catch, as both Gesicki and Preston Williams. And he also got hurt and missed four games at the end of the season. Here's a split for you for Jakeem Grant uh, and Mike Gesicki. And, again, Grant goes out of the game. Mike Gesicki's numbers nearly double. Um, These guys are coming back. They're going to play. A lot of what we saw last year for Gesicki was just the fact that, hey, all of a sudden this team was throwing the ball everywhere and they were running out of weapons to throw it to you look at the philadelphia eagles lost all of their receivers and all of a sudden the tight ends went nuts people understand that's why Zach Ertz and dallas goddard had such boons at the end of the year i don't know why they don't translate that over here to mike Gesicki. they absolutely should it's the same exact situation a couple other arguments for you let's talk efficiency okay forget about the opportunity let's talk the talent how good is mike Gesicki? well First of all, his catch rate last season was 57%. That is 41st among tight ends with at least 25 targets. That's really fucking bad. Um, And, you know, while Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the most accurate quarterback in the world, he was far more accurate than a lot of quarterbacks that had tight ends catch more passes I think his average uh, – his uh, yards per catch were right around 12 yards, so it's not like he's super deep down the field when, he's, when these balls are going to him. No excuse for a 57% catch rate. Uh, let's look inside the red zone. Super important for a tight end to be able to score inside the red zone. Well, 73 guys in the league had at least five targets inside the 10-yard line last year. 73, t- 73 guys. Only one of those, that's Noah Fant – had a worse catch rate inside the 10 than Mike Gasicki. Noah Fant went 0 for 6. Mike Gasicki went 1 for 6. That's second worst out of the 73 guys that had passes thrown to him from inside the 10-yard line. Maybe he's just not that good of a player. If you look at Football Outsiders DVOA, that just says, how good is he relative to everybody else? Hang on a second. Go to bed. Anyway, um, that was my five-year-old. He's, he should be in bed. Um, DVOA just says, how good is this guy relative to everybody else in the league at the position? He finished 39th in tight end DVOA. So maybe he's just not that good a player. And the last thing that I want to say here, which sort of tips our hat to next week and the next series we got coming your way is there's a coaching change in Miami and, and coaching changes mean more than anything else you can look at when you're preparing, uh, for making projections about fantasy football players, ranking fantasy football players. If a new coach comes in and changes the scheme, that will change things more than anything else, okay? So Chan Gailey comes into town as the new Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator. And the nice thing about a guy like Chan Gailey getting hired is that there is a long track record Um, for Chan Gailey we can look back at a lot of teams over a lot of years I think he got his first coaching job in the NFL in 1984 uh, and he has set some really really clear tendencies that we can look at and we can make predictions about what's going to happen on the Dolphins this year Um, he had a bunch of head coaching jobs in there some positional jobs in there but he was an offensive coordinator for nine seasons okay six of those nine seasons Uh, He had a top 10, his team was top 10 in rushing attempts. Um, Three times out of those nine, he was in top three. Six times out of those 10, 10, his teams were in the bottom 10 for pass attempts. So here's a trend that says the guy doesn't throw the ball a lot. Lead rushers for this guy go for thousands of yards um, every year, year after year after year. The real interesting thing, though, is that there's only been one tight end that finished anywhere of note, anywhere inside the top 15 um, for tight ends, fantasy purpose-wise. I know 1984, it's tough to kind of go back and look at that. But one time, and that was in in his one-year stint in Kansas City, uh, when his tight end was one Tony Gonzalez, right? So uh, was it Chan Gailey or Tony Gonzalez? I'll, I'll let you answer that one for yourself. Bottom line is, this is a coach that likes to run a lot of three and four wide receiver Sets right. He runs the eleven personnel and the ten personnel a lot. Ten personnel means zero tight ends on the field. I think Mike Kosicki's snaps go down. The pass attempts on the team go down. His target share goes down as those two wide receivers back. And if he's only catching fifty percent, fifty-seven percent of his balls, any any knock to his targets uh, is really going to fuck up his stat line. This is a guy that. Uh, he's he's like the newest O.J. Howard. He looks like he's an athletic freak, but he just is, he's just never going to get it done.
0: Yeah, I think I, – I guess I never – I knew Chan Gailey was not the tight end guru, but I never actually dove into it. Like, I mean, like, I like to pay attention. Like, I know that, like, it's not the greatest situation. But to me – and we'll get into the next guy. Like, it's worse than what we saw with O.J. Howard last year. Like, the track record's worse. So obviously – Giseki is an athletic freak. He's probably one of the most mm-hmm. athletic tight ends. To like, We think Noah Fant's athletic. Giseki was like double him in the combine. He can obviously – He was nasty. It was so, he, broke, he broke every fucking drill. Yeah. Didn't he so jump I think, like 41 and
1: a half inches or something?
0: I, I think he broke, the, he broke the tight end record, not the, the overall. I think mean, Byron Jones maybe has it or something like that. But I think really what it comes down to is you're getting – I think Preston Williams, I mean like – no offense to Parker, Preston Williams is the better receiver on the team. So I think it's Preston Williams, Parker, Gasecki, but Jachim Grant. I I know like last year. I, I mean, I watched the Dolphins because I had a lot of fantasy players like in terms of the receivers that were just good air yard candidates and whatnot. You're getting maybe the third or fourth receiver or receiving option on a bad team. Like let's not let's not act like the Dolphins are going to be good this year. Their the offense literally didn't change. They added injury-prone Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, that's not going to move the needle on offense. I get they got Tua, but Tua is probably not going to play. And if he does play, that's probably worse for Gusecki. He's not going to have to redo the whole chemistry thing, especially in our training camp. There's not time for Tua to take first-team reps. So, yeah, I think that's a good one right there too. Uh, sort of throw out there so people can pay attention a little bit more than they probably have been in the past
1: as a as a side note uh, and I know we're going to talk about this when we get into the Chan Gailey episode during our coaching changes but like just a real quick side note actually think Jordan Howard set for a really nice year this mm-hmm. year just because of the track
0: record of what what Gailey's got going on but we'll get into that later give me your last guy all right my last guy like I said along the same lines is The now apparently the one guy that's going to break Bruce Arians tight end history and Rob Gronkowski going at tight end 13 high stakes and tight end nine on fantasy pros ADP. So he's going right around. I would say he's going in the tier of Austin Hooper, Gasecki, Hayden Hurst, no fan right around those guys. So guys that like if you don't draft one early, he's your starting tight end and maybe a couple flyers here and there. So, yes, like I said, Bruce Arians, not the tight end guy. this is what I've literally said every time for Gronk. You remember how O.J. Howard was drafted super high due to vacated production and the whole coaching history thing put him on his ass? Now you have the coaching history thing and no vacated production. Now you have three tight ends, along with two of the best receivers in the league, adding Tyler Johnson, who I think was a top three receiver in the class last year, but his apparently attitude catches the football, I guess, and that is why he got drafted super low. Now they have two, three running backs that are going to play in an offense that I mean, mental math that they're not throwing the ball as much because they're not, because they're not going to throw 30 interceptions. The offense is going to be slower paced, going to be scoring less points, could be scoring more points. But if you take away 30 interceptions, you're taking away 20% of your total drives last year, because obviously throwing picks and scoring a lot of points means you had to have a combination of more drives over the average that was there last year. So I'm just going to read off Arian's apparently tight end breakable code, I guess we're going to call it, because that's what it seems like this year. Arians average tight end one finish in PPR tight end 26 in his whole career he said three guys go in the top eight and they were all at eight so yes Gronk could do that cool but it's not it's not going to happen those guys I don't know who those guys exactly were but they weren't three years out of retirement two years out of retirement with a knee brace over their elbow and injury prone as it is let's not act like Gronk's injuries aren't there he's been pegged by a ton of fantasy doctor people is that he's high-risk injury. Sports injury predictor, 78% chance high re-injury risk with a projected 3.5 missed games. Like, it just doesn't add up to anything, like why people would even want to draft him. It makes zero sense why people would want to draft him. Like I said, you're getting maybe the, if you're lucky, the third, fourth option on a team with a slow pace or projected. I mean, they're projected quite a bit of plays. We'll give him that. But it's not going to be a fantasy goal line outside of the two guys and maybe a running back. So I guess really the main thing is, is Gronk really going to break Bruce Arians' <laughs> a streak, I guess. I don't know. the People will make the case, uh, like I've heard, he could catch 10 touchdowns and he could finish tight end nine. I know none of you guys are rostering Darren Fells last year when he had like seven to eight touchdowns and was a top points per game, probably top 13, 14 tight end last year. So just don't, just don't do it and I know his ADP is going to rise even more just due to name and because people that are like oh my gosh Gronk is with Brady again when he was I mean if you remember the last time two or three years ago he was like a first round pick when he was played with Brady last time that's when he was still injury prone so just don't fall into the trap please I don't even know would you take Gusecki or Gronk you probably take Gronk I guess but
1: no, I would I would probably take Gesicki. A
0: couple of reasons. First of all, you know how many times
1: uh, Gronk has played, started 16 games? No, one. His second year, he played 16 games. He's averaged 12 games. He's averaged 12 over his career, but that's because he didn't miss a whole lot in, uh, in the first bit. Uh, the big argument here that I keep hearing, because, you know, I've seen people mention that Arians doesn't do tight ends before but people always say but tom brady does tom brady loves gronkowski look two points here one last year i believe the who's gonna win the offense the coach or the quarterback argument was settled when matt lafleur came in and made aaron Rodgers stop throwing touchdown passes um that that you know they butt heads and who won it's the guy who fucking calls the shots and Matt LaFleur was a first-time head coach, if you think Bruce Arians is going to roll over and let Tom Brady tell him how the offense is going to run, you've got another thing coming. If you think Tom Brady wants to go in and tell Bruce Arians how the offense is going to run, you've got another thing coming. He chose to go play for Bruce Arians because he knows that Bruce Arians can put together an offense that can take them into the playoffs. Um, And second, like Gronkowski was great with Tom Brady is a a fine argument to make, except the real argument is that um, Rob Gronkowski was great with Bill Belichick as his coach. Like, it wasn't it wasn't Brady. It was Belichick that was designing this offense, designing – not necessarily designing the offense, but he, he and his coaching staff were the ones designing the offense and the opportunities for Gronkowski. It's not that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski have, like, an ethereal connection. That's just not a thing. Um, yeah, so he ain't going to play – I think in my projections, I gave him, like, nine games, but – even nine games seems generous to a guy who couldn't, you know, couldn't even sustain a fucking professional wrestling career without getting hurt.
0: So. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I don't know. I think people will see this year that when the Patriots keep their pace, they stay a winning team. They probably make the playoffs. They make do with what they have. I think people will realize and maybe get over that narrative of the, you have to focus on the coach, not the quarterback. We see year in and year out these positional players outside of the quarterback Fail because of their coaching. But that hasn't translated to the quarterback connection narrative that we see year in and year out. Like, Chris Goblin is not going to thrive because Brady loves a slot. He's going to thrive because he's his best receiver. Well, tied for his best receiver. Same thing with Edelman. So I think what we'll see – I mean, hear me out. Gronk could go for 15 touchdowns because he could literally go in for one play, catch a touchdown, and then come out. That, that's that's easily possible. And Yeah, cool. Yeah. You can draft that. But you, no one can project that. So I think you, you want to try out. to predict the
1: games, where that's going to happen. Like that's a, that's
0: a waste of your goddamn time. Yeah, and let's not mention that this defense is pretty good, so it's not going to be these shootouts that people think, uh, like name one Patriots game last year with the best defense in the league, that was a shootout. So, I mean, I don't know. It's not adding up for Gronk to have a good season um, at all. None and of these then, guys. Yeah. Hey, you ready for the shot? We got
1: Today, this beautiful, beautiful lady – Um, That's uh, Guaycura liqueur de Damiana. It is Mexico's finest um, all-natural erectile dysfunction cure. It tastes like flowers. And while I don't have that problem, I appreciate an especially hard penis uh, at night on Mondays because that's that's my night with the wife, Monday night. So we're going to take one of these. You know, you're only 19 followers or, or YouTube subscribers away from finally taking a shot with me.
0: What was our bet? I don't even know what our bet was. Three hundred.
1: Right, go subscribe to the channel. If we can get 19 more, he's finally going to drink some fucking alcohol. He's a, he's a college student, and he refuses to drink booze with me on the air. Take a fake shot with me, sir. To the people and to the draft guide being released and ready for your eyes.
0: All right. We got coaching changes the next one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four weeks.